Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about payments today. We're talking with an expert in the field, Dennis Simmons, the president of Swatcha. Dennis, thanks so much for joining me today. Sure, Tom. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with this organization? Uh, sure. Um, I've been with the association uh, almost 13 years now. I've uh, been the president for the last nine years. Um, prior to joining Swatcha, I worked over, I've worked about 20 plus years in all aspects of commercial banking. Uh, I come from a banking family. Both my uh, mom and dad were both bankers, and my son is a banker. So I've been in and around banking pretty much all of my adult life. Uh, my role with uh, Swatcha, uh, obviously, is implementing the strategic vision of the association's board of directors as the, as the leader of the association, and I'm also charged with being the, the public face of the association. Now, for those uh, in our audience who aren't familiar with Swatcha, what can you tell us about the organization, the type of work that you do? Well, Swatcha is an acronym for the uh, Southwestern Automated Clearinghouse Association, which was started back in... 1974 um, as one of the regional clearinghouses that were set up uh, in the early days of the development of ACH uh, to handle the processing of transactions within within regions. Um, but over the year that over the years that function has been consolidated into the two uh, main operators in the ACH network. And so we have uh, evolved into uh, what we refer to as a knowledge-based organization. Uh, we provide training education and support uh, for our members uh, in the uh, area of uh, electronic payments. Uh, we've got over a thousand members which are primarily uh, financial institutions located in the southwest and we also uh, run a subsidiary company, a Swatches Services Corporation that uh, provides rule compliance audits and payment systems risk assessments and payment system consulting and expert witness services. And I would venture a guess you folks have been very busy the last year or so. Uh, that's an understatement, yes. <laughs> now, Dennis, what got my attention? You recently conducted a survey on consumer usage of electronic payments. What can you tell us about that survey? Well, we, uh, we found that when we've done a lot of research, looking around, reading the existing research uh, in, in, on the topic, uh, we found a lot of stuff, but we were skeptical about how some of the national surveys uh, played here in the Southwest. And we were also skeptical of some of the results because a lot of the surveys that, that revolve around electronic payments and bill payment especially, um, didn't focus on talking to the person in the household who actually pays the bills. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing that, that kind of a focus. And we also wanted to explore where, where mobile payments were going, mobile banking. And so uh, I, I found myself a little skeptical of the, you know, some of the, the high percentages that have been touted as you know, people who are going to be early adopters of using mobile banking on their cell phones and their handheld computers and that sort of thing. So. We commissioned a survey of over 400 bill pay, Texas bill payment people, people who pay bills, uh, to make an assessment of their pattern of usage and that sort of thing. And a couple of the results we saw were really quite, uh, quite startling to us. Um, it's caused us to rethink some of the notions that we held. First, there's a near 100% understanding of direct deposit and how it works. And, and that's significant for us because our members have been funding a, a 
consumer awareness campaign about direct deposit. And, and based on that, we think Swatch and our members may have to redirect our <laughs> marketing strategy because it's it's tough to get over 100% penetration. So we're going to maybe talk about some of the other alternatives that are out there in the electronic payment space. And we, we found that to be very enlightening. Um, one of the other things we found uh, that we think is going to be beneficial to our members is the use of direct deposit as a pay, as a savings tool. Um, we found that only 30% of the folks that responded to the survey indicated that they put some portion of their payroll into savings via direct deposit. Um, that means that there's certainly an education opportunity for financial institutions and employers to start to emphasize the fact that you can split your payroll into various accounts and using that as a savings vehicle. And what was really interesting is that uh, of the 30% who do save through direct deposit, 58% put more than 5% in another account, and 14%, and this is important, put more than 25% in another account. So. I think the, uh, the the takeaway there for the financial institutions is that their customers who use direct deposit of payroll are very valuable candidates for some of the other investment vehicles that the, that the banks have. And so we think in light of where we see some of the upward tw trends and savings patterns, it's been touted in the press here recently that there's an opportunity for, uh, for, for banks to grab their share of that increased savings dollar. And then we, we asked a bunch of questions about electronic bill payments, and we found that 82% of the respondents indicating that they pay at least one bill every month, and that's a very high penetration, and almost 60% responded that they've been, they've been paying bills electronically for more than three years. And we found, uh, we found an opportunity for, for banks and credit unions uh, in this space because 39% uh, of the folks that we talked to use the billers website, which means that they're going to two or three or four different websites to pay their bill versus only 34% using their, their financial institution's bill payment site. So what that indicates is that you know there's an opportunity for, uh, for, for financial institutions to cement the relationship with uh, their customers by tying them more closely to the, to the institution's bill payment services so they can they you know, they should ramp up their promotion of, of, of the bill payment services and we think that's a good customer retention tool. The other thing we asked about was uh, uh, how willing would consumers be to pay a late uh, a convenience fee if they were if they were going to have to make a last minute or a, you know right at the cusp of a payment being passed due. We found that fifty percent said they would pay a, a fee to avoid a late charge and we think this is an opportunity for for banks to uh, uh, look at their auto loan payment programs and their home equity line of credit programs to, you know, to offer that as a convenience to, to be able to generate some fee income, understanding that the current regulatory activities may dampen that a bit going forward, but sure. it's still an opportunity for some uh, for some fee income for for the for the financial institutions and. We asked questions about currency and debit and credit cards and trends in check writing and, and how people use their cards. And we also asked, um, I know this will be important to the folks that are in your audience, we asked a lot of questions about security. And <clears throat> I was pleased to note that uh, about 70% of those surveys said they don't have any concerns regarding security uh, of electronic payments. 
one of the things that was really uh, startling to me as an old as an, a banker who's been around for a long time, and the joke was that you know customers, especially consumers, never open their bank statements. You know, they just they don't they don't they don't care. They don't worry about it too much. But what we found was that two thirds of the individuals, two out of three individuals, indicated that they checked their online statement at least once a week. And I thought that was pretty. Uh, you know, that certainly breaks that. You know, perceived stereotype that customers not paying attention. Um, I think that means that you know the, the financial institutions have been very good about educating and involving their customers and in, in, in taking care of their business. And we still have to reach out to the other thirty percent, but I think that that continued outreach is probably going to be a major focus for the DFIs going forward. And the other thing, too, about the concern here, again, the perceived risk of the electronic age, you know, again, tying back to the security issue, said that uh, the folks told us that 70% of those surveys did not have any concerns about electronic payments. And this is very interesting, too. 83% of them knew what to do if they had a problem. Um, and the other one that really was startling, I was, it, 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 just, it just kind of, seemed uh, uh, almost uh, counterintuitive that said that 95% you know, of them said they've never had a problem with an electronic payment, which is, again, that's an astoundingly high percentage that people said they've never had a problem. So, so I think there's some, there's some good information there for financial institutions in the security space, but I think, you know, when we start talking about some other concerns uh, that we have, I think there's some other things that are out there that we certainly want to talk about. And, the last thing we wanted to take a look at was the mobile banking stuff. Um, we asked you know, the question, you know, do, do they use it, do they have it? And less than 10% surveyed said that they are currently using it, and almost 80% said they wouldn't use it if their DFI offered the service. So, and that's just the overall survey. Now, when you start to get down into the demographics and look at, you know, the age and education and, and geography of the folks who were saying they would or would not use it. Obviously, you can start to see the pattern of the people who are a little bit more technologically astute or younger folks would, would tend to say, yeah, they'll, they'll use it. And so the uh, the point there is for the for the bankers to make sure they understand to whom they're marketing and not just have trying to have a blanket approach to uh, their marketing of their mobile platform. I think it's got to be very targeted. That makes sense. Well, Dennis, just um, to go back to your original premise, do you find that the statement from your constituency really was different from what you've been seeing from some of the national surveys? Uh, we did, I mean, especially in the emerging, you know, the mobile stuff. Uh, I, I was uh, in a meeting recently uh, talking with a, uh, an organization that has done a lot of the, the work in this stuff, and they're saying that, you know, 40% of consumers they surveyed said they would use mobile banking. And that does not sync up well with what we're hearing from our consumers who we surveyed. And, and I think it's it, it, it's almost a touch point that says, okay, if you talk to just anybody in a the household, they may say, yeah, we're going to use it. But if you're talking to the person who actually controls the purse strings, I know in my house it's my wife. You know, I, somebody called me up and said, would you use mobile banking? And I say, sure. And I can just hear the response from hers, you know, over my dead body. So yeah, no, I, I think it's, and that's one of the reasons we focus on asking the question about the, you know, the person who's actually going to be controlling the purse strings. We think that's a very important question to ask. 
Now, just to talk about some other payments and security concerns that you see in the industry, from our perspective, we hear an awful lot about ACH fraud. We hear a lot about electronic payments. What do you and your organization see as some of the bigger security concerns that, that everyone is facing now? Yeah, I, I, th- I think you know when, when we hear payments fraud and we hear ACH fraud, that sort of thing, I think you know, the, the, one of the things that happens is that it's traditional types of fraud. You know, check fraud has migrated, for instance, into ACH when the check conversion applications and that sort of thing. So it's still people writing bad checks. It's just they're clearing through a different set of rails. But one of the things that's happened recently um, that, that has been a great concern to us is that, you know, as, as we saw in the research, uh, consumers are aware of some of these issues. I mean, they're checking their bank statements, uh, you know, at least once a week online, and then so they're they're taking steps to mitigate it. But I have a real growing concern about small businesses. Um, we've seen uh, with some of the small businesses a, a recent rash of keylogging incidents where a, a Trojan was inserted into an unprotected PC, uh, which ultimately resulted in the compromise of the credentials that the, they used for their online banking system, and then that compromise was exploited through some online treasury management applications and all the way resulted in some transfers of funds out a lot of accounts and some large losses for some DFIs and their customers. And I think you know, it just points to a vulnerability. I mean, small business folks, I, you know, my wife runs a small business. I really sympathize with the idea that they're focused on running their business, making money, especially in this economy. And so making sure that their security procedures on their uh, laptop or their workstation at home is the latest, greatest updated, you know, McAfee or Norton antivirus kind of stuff to keep the Trojans off their machine. That's not what they're focused on. And I think we, we've, got to, we've got to get their attention. We've got, you know, we've got the, the banking industry needs to focus on security issues for small business customers. And, I think that any any banking organization, regardless of its size, that's uh, offering any kind of online treasury management services that includes the ability to do wire transfer or ACH origination has got to have some effective tools in place to monitor and detect some of these out-of-pattern behaviors and, and, and put procedures in place to interdict the bad guys. And, and one of the things that we noticed was that where, where, this, where the breakdown was is that you know, the, a processor put some new controls in place and uh, turn, forgot to turn on some switches, and, and, and the banks ended up uh, having to you know, scramble around to, to, to recoup some of these monies. So it was uh, it, it requires constant vigilance. You know that, from you, that it, it, you can't just sit there and say, okay, gosh, everything's great. We haven't had a problem because we know from experience that something's going to happen. And so, you know, I I would encourage your listeners to make sure that the, that you know that they're that they're encouraging, especially their small businesses. I think the consumers are good; they're on a good track. I think the, the large national companies are good; they understand all this stuff. They've got IT departments, but those small to mid mid-sized enterprises, you know, they don't have a lot of the resources, and, and it's perhaps it's something as simple as the bank subscribing to a, a, a service and giving that customer these various things and making sure that they that they use them because it will ultimately protect the bank long term. Well, you make a good point that the small businesses certainly don't have the resources, but you find that some of the smaller institutions don't either. Uh, what are some of the ways that, a, that an institution can address some of these concerns of their customers with the available resources that they have? 
Yeah. One of the things that, again, to circle back to the comment was that um, I, I know for a for a long time, uh, positive pay was out in the marketplace, you know, and, and we found you know banks were charging for it. But after, over time, what happened was, and especially with some of the smaller institutions, they were getting so burned by uh, fraudulent checks that they basically took the position that if you want to be a business customer, you have to deploy positive pay. We're not going to charge you for it, but you have to deploy it. And, you, and it's cut down dramatically on the losses that these banks have incurred uh, from from check fraud. And I think you maybe you, you, you take the same kind of an approach. You, you cut a deal with a, with a antivirus vendor or a security vendor, and and maybe some of the institutions band together and they you know they do this cooperatively and they they deploy this to all of their small business customers that have wire transfer and ACH capabilities and just basically say it's here it is it's free if you use it you know we'll 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 take responsibility but if you don't use it we're not going to take responsibility it, you know so i i think you, you shift that liability to the customer but you make it free so you can't nobody can argue well it was too expensive or that sort of thing makes sense dennis i appreciate your time and your insight today especially on the survey and your conclusions from it very informative great uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're going to be doing this survey. Uh, we think probably at least annually going forward. So hopefully we'll have a baseline, and we can maybe track the trends and talk again next year and see what happens. Dennis, we look forward to that. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much. <laughs>